Living Hope is a church striving to become a 21st century apostolic church. We are founded upon the belief that the Bible is the inspired, infallible Word of God. We believe in the Great Commission, and we are endeavoring to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with love, mercy, and truth. Listen in as we share the Word, and that, through Jesus Christ, hope is alive. Praise the Lord. If you got your Bibles, how many of you want to get in the Word tonight? Amen. Colossians chapter 3, hopefully a very familiar portion of Scripture. Beginning at verse 1, why don't we all just read that out loud together? I'm wait just a second. I see some folks still turning pages in the New Testament towards the back of the book. Give you a chance to find it. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, reading together. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated tonight. Uh, A very short Google search asking a simple question about some things that people hide produced these results. People hide an embarrassing incident. I, I kind of get that one. That makes sense. You don't. You're, something happened. You're embarrassed by it, so you want to. You don't want to just kind of share that with everybody, right? People hide their web browsing history. Five, six, seven. You're supposed to let some things just sit, right? People hide their debt. I think that's a good thing to hide, right? I mean, wouldn't, shouldn't probably share everything. Some people, according to this list, hide their family, something that happened in their family history. Amen? You know, if you had a, uh, an axe murderer in the family, you probably don't share that with everybody when things go on, right? Uh, another thing that people hide, they hide the fears and phobias. Not like Brother Roberts, I'm terrified of snakes, will tell you that. We'll ask your forgiveness in advance if I step on you or your child getting away from one. Just terrified of them. Amen? And people hide things that they have purchased, things that they've bought. Anybody ever bought something and you hid it? All the moms said yes, right? Right? Now, I can tell you, in my house, we, uh, we hide candy. Um, my wife has been known to hide chocolate And anything sweet that she thinks I might get into. That's right, because she loves me. There's one of us that thinks that. I, I used to say for years that if you want to hide something from my wife, you hang it on the back of the vacuum cleaner, she'd never find it. Because I, I clean the floors. I do the floors in my house. And so recently she is... Um, retired, semi-retired, and so I asked her if she wouldn't mind helping out in that area, and she got mad at me and said, I looked on the back of that vacuum cleaner, and there was nothing hanging on it, so I don't know. So, but how many of you uh, have ever hidden something, and you forgot where it was? Okay, all right, all right, all right. But we don't generally keep a record of the things that we hide, kind of defeats the purpose if you write down where you hid it, right, so people can't find it, right? And, and so, you know, some of us are a little bit forgetful, but God is not like us. God doesn't forget where he hid stuff, right? And, and I, I know uh, I've been guilty of having a bad memory, and some of you expressed that you have been guilty of having a bad memory, 
But God is not like that. He doesn't have a bad memory. In fact, I'm certain from what I read in Scripture that he's a very good, he's a very adequate record keeper. And, and so, at least in, in my mind, I, I don't know, maybe, 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 maybe not yours, but in my mind, I feel like God has a scrapbook. Any scrapbookers in the house? One. Come on, really? There's only one person does scrapbook, you know, little photo album, right? You know, you know. So when the guests drop in, you know, you pull out the old photo. I, I, I know it's technology date, right? Everybody, they don't pull out photo albums anymore. They pull out their phone or their iPad, and so nobody has pictures anymore, right? But I believe that when we get to heaven, when we're all hanging out in the throne room, right there in God's living room, there's going to be a coffee table. That's just my, my just my imagination. And in the middle of that, there's going to be a little scrapbook. There's going to be a photo album. There's going to be something there that belongs to God, and he's going to open that up. And I, I believe the Lord's going to look through some old photos, and he's going to find a few things that, to, that they're going to be there just to show us so that we can know. Now, come on, any of you ladies keep some of those photos? My, my wife likes to keep every picture, you know, and she puts them all over you know, and, and you can find a picture everywhere in my house because my wife likes to keep that. And so, you know, so we're, we're going to talk about this little scrapbook thing, right? And so in Scripture, in the Bible, there are three specific arcs that are mentioned. And each of those represent uh, for, for our humanity and for us as children of God, these arcs that we're going to look at tonight in the Bible, they represent for us a place of shelter, a place of safety, and a, and a hiding place. And, and so, you know, I would imagine, you know, you just kind of got to kind of get your mind out there with me just a little bit that, that each of these arcs that are in the scrapbook of God, that they are, they're a type and they're a shadow of Jesus Christ. Well, what do, what do you mean by that, Brother Roberts, when you start talking about types and shadows? What I'm talking about is that you can look we're going to talk about these things, but you can see the foreshadowing or the pattern or it's laid out how things are going to happen. And so there are many things in the Old Testament that were built in shadow and type and form, and they come to life in the New Testament. And they, they're, so they're, this, they're, they're done in the natural sense, and they become, they, they're, they're brought out in the spiritual sense in, in the New Testament. And so there are three very specific things that, that we're sheltered from that I want to talk about tonight. And so tonight we're going to kind of take the scrapbook journey and we're going to go back to we're going to go back to Sunday school. So turn with me to Genesis chapter 6. We're going to read verses 13 and 14 and we're going to talk first tonight about Noah's ark. Genesis chapter 6 beginning in verse 13 and God said unto Noah the end of all flesh is come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. That's a pretty big statement. God says, this is what's happening. Now he turns and looks at Noah and says, make thee an ark of gopher wood. Rooms shalt thou make in the ark, and thou shalt pitch it within and without with pitch. And so the first photo that I think you might find in God's scrapbook, maybe right there on the top in the, in the front of the book, is going to be this picture would be of the ark that Noah built. So here's kind of my rendition of God. You know, he's got this picture, right? And here's Noah posing out in front of his ark. He's got it all figured out, right? And so God said, I want you to see this picture because I believe God is really proud of what, what, is, what was accomplished through the ark. And so, you know, we're sitting here tonight on a Wednesday night, and we, we kind of come in, and we got all this crazy stuff going on, and you're a little bit distracted, and all the day's going on, and so the preacher's trying to talk about it, and some of you are like, man, Noah's Ark, that's just a fairy tale, you know, that's just something we learned about in Sunday school, and, and, and you know, all stuff, but when you get to heaven, I believe there's going to be a representation, there's going to be, I'm not making Bible, this is just my opinion, there's going to be something that's going to show us that, that God said, you know, this was, some, this was a great accomplishment in what I did. Why would God be so proud of the ark? I mean, you know, that was the, that was the first flood. That, you know, that was the first judgment. That was all the stuff, right? Because this represents God's divine provision for us. 
As you begin to dig just a little bit deeper, just on the surface of this, the Hebrew word that is used here for an ark, it's describing a box or literally a chest. And so when, when you want to hide something, Brother James, when you want to hide something, what do you do with it? Well, that's a good place, right? But don't, I mean, what, what do you do? You just cover it up, right? You put it inside something. You put it out of sight, right? And so if you want to hide something, you've got to put it in a secure place, like a chest or a box. You've got to do something like that. And so this ark, we understand this. You know this was designed by God for one reason, to protect Noah and his family from judgment. Now, we think of that because we learned about Noah and the ark in Sunday school, and we don't preach about it or teach about it a lot, and we think, man, this is a great story. But the ark is one of the greatest types and shadows of salvation in all of Scripture. In fact, if you sat down, uh, I could probably almost off the top of my head, there are at least, there are probably more, there are at least 11 specific types and shadows that, are, that are, you could find in a simple study of the ark. And all of these are patterns and types, and, and they're shadows of salvation and of Jesus Christ. And it was a very specific design. It was, made, it was made just exactly the way that God said it. There was one door and one window, and there were three floors in it, and they could represent, represent so, many, so many different things. You know, you could talk about the, the floors in the ark and how God represents himself as the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, right? the creator and the redeemer and the regenerator. And all of this is a type and a pattern and a shadow of, the, uh, of God's plan that he would, that he would bring forth. And, and we talk about the, the ark being a type of baptism where they were in the water. And those are, those are great things. But the purpose of the ark, the real purpose of the ark was deeper than just a shadow. It was to hide Noah and his family from judgment. And so tonight I want to talk to us about some hidden things, some things that are hidden because when God gets mad, hello, I, I don't want to be around. Now, I, I've got, a, I've got a, a lab pup and he's not like most labs. He's, he's super sensitive and, and I, I, mean, he's, I mean, he's super sensitive. He, I, I, he, he's a good dog. I let him out this morning. And I let him out and said, go potty. And I told him, don't you run off. Now, I don't know where he went, but he was gone for 20 minutes. And, and I, didn't, I didn't go look for him. He, he's kind of got it like that. No one really cares. He's, he, you know, he's a pretty good dog. And he comes back, and he, I opened the door, and I let him in. I said, where have you been? I, I didn't get loud or nothing. I just said, where? And he's just cowering down like somebody's going to beat him. Never, right? It's not happening in my house. And he's just cowering down. And listen, I'm t I want you to understand, when God gets mad, when, when judgment comes, I don't want to be around. Because like, like my lab dog, like my little pup, I, when God gets mad, I'm like, uh-oh. If even there's a hint that he's raising his voice, I want, I, want to, I want to be away from that, right? And so the first thing that we're going to talk about in this scrapbook of God, the first thing that he hides us from is judgment. So, wow, we came to church on Wednesday night, and you're going to talk about judgment. Listen, for all you naysayers that don't believe in judgment, that don't believe that God is, God is a God of love and God wouldn't hurt anybody and all this, right? You listen, you need to go back and read the book of Genesis. And then you need to skip over the rest of it and go and read the book of Revelation and see because God is a God of judgment. And so the clearest and the most comprehensive type and shadow of the believer's salvation in Christ is found in Scripture. You need to understand it. It's a very clear, it's a very clear representation in our, in our text here in Genesis. And God said, the end of all flesh is come before me. Not some flesh. Not their flesh, not that. No, no. He said all flesh. And he says to him, he says, because of this, because I have finally gotten to the point where I'm going to bring judgment, I want you to go make an ark. He was saying to Noah, Noah, I'm going to put you in a box. I'm going to put you in a place that's secure. I'm going to put you in, in, in this little chest area here. And, and so you need to understand that the ark was literally designed and built out of the same materials that they were making coffins out of in that day. Gopher wood. It's where you put dead things at. 
And so, Noah, I want you to understand, I'm going to put you in a box. And so here's what Paul wrote to us. He says, he says to the church at Colossus, he says, you, for ye are dead. Now, none of us like to be dead. I didn't see a hand come up. Nobody said, please don't let me be dead. No, right? Because, all right? And so Noah, Noah's ark was a hiding place, a place of divine refuge right in the middle of judgment. And so the ark was secured. Those that were inside were, they were, they were, they were hidden away. They were secured from the outpouring of judgment. And it was, it was the only place of safety. There was no other place. It was provided by God when everybody else was in trouble. Only Noah and his family were saved. It was the only place of deliverance. There was judgment coming. There was wrath being poured out. And, and listen, you need to understand this. There was no plan B. There weren't any alter alternatives. There wasn't, hey, I, I don't like that boat. I'll wait for the next one. There wasn't, hey, I don't like that pastor. I'll wait for another one. There was none of that. You need to understand, this was the plan of God. And God said, this, I, I've created this for the purpose of delivering this man and his family. The writer in Hebrews, who's writing from a prophecy from Psalms chapter 40, verse 6, and he, in, the middle of that, in the middle of that verse, he says, Wherefore it cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body thou hast prepared me. So it may, you know, you know, you need to understand. God, God said this was the this was the type and the shadow, but in the reality, I'm going to give you something that's going to protect you. I'm going to give you a hiding place, and that hiding place is the body of Jesus Christ. That hiding place is the church. Now, for some of you, you say, man, the church feels, they don't feel like an ark, right? But, but sometimes it feels like a box. And sometimes, you know what? He calls it his body. He calls it a church. And the, according to the word of God, he, put, he places you in the body. Now, I'm not trying to go deep into this whole ark thing, but understand that the elephant didn't get to choose where he got to sleep. Right? He didn't say, I'm sleeping with the lions tonight. He didn't you know, I, I'm sure all of that was figured out and set, right? I'm sure, right, you know, hey, like this, I'm tired of sleeping with this giraffe. You got to move her. She's too big. You know. I'm sure there was none of that. Listen, and we come in, right, and we're like, listen, God has designed himself a body. And it is, a, it is the type of the ark. And, and he calls it a church. And you need to have an understanding, and I need to have an understanding, that it's a secure place. It's a place of protection for the people of God. Because the Bible tells us that Noah found grace in the eyes of God. And what you need to understand is that if you're going to find grace in the eyes of God, you're only going to find it in his divine provision for your life. You're only going to find it in the church. You're not going to find it somewhere else. Oh, I, I, don't, I don't know. You know, it's Wednesday night. We're just kind of, you know, it's kind of, you know, I, I, I don't know. And Brother James, you know, he, he don't like to hide stuff in a box. He wants to put it in that big bear paw of his but he can't hide everything in there. You can't put everything in that big hand. And if he does, Sister Naomi's going to take it from him anyway. So I wouldn't put nothing in his hand because I know who's the boss at that house, just like you do. What you've got to understand is the church is more than a building and more than four walls. It's more than just a time that we come together. But it's the divine provision of God for your safety. It's a place where you are set apart. It's a place where God has hid you from the effects of this world. Here's what Paul said in the New Testament in Philippians chapter 3. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. They'll have the King James up there for us. Paul says it this way. I've told you often before, and I say it again with tears in my eyes, that there are many whose conduct shows that they're really the enemies of the cross of Christ. Now, I'm going to tell you, we're talking a little bit about judgment and hiding. I don't want to be the enemy of the cross, right? I, I, I want to be the benefactor of the cross. Verse 19, they are headed for destruction. Why? Because their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things. They think only about life here on earth. And he, said, he goes on in verse 20, he says, but we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. Somebody needs to understand that the church is more than what you can see when you walk in here. But the church has a divine, divine it, has, it has the ability to secure you and put you in a place of hiding. 
I can imagine that one day God's going to open his scrapbook. He's going to say, look there, look, there's a picture of Noah standing beside the ark because that was the first type of the church that I built. And some people don't like the church. They don't think, I don't like this, and I don't like this, and I don't like that, and I don't like that. You know what? You'd have been liking a whole lot of stuff when judgment came. I don't like this room. I, I didn't sign up for this room. I, I don't know, Noah, you got me in the wrong room. Noah, you got me in the wrong place. Noah, I'm not sleeping with a giraffe. Noah, I'm not sleeping with, that's a stinky, smelly, Noah, I'm not doing that. But when that rain began to fall, this is good, Noah, I'm all right. We're good, Noah, I got it. Listen, you, you, can't, you can't afford to be a fair-weathered saint. You've got to understand that the church, you've got to be careful how you treat the body. You've got to be cautious how you treat the church. Why? Because this is your hiding place. This is your refuge. This is where you get on that, on that train that's bound for glory. Amen. Brother Tyler, is this thing messing up? I, I keeps moving around. Can you still hear me? Okay. The old songwriter said, this train is bound for glory, right? And he said, you know, you got to, right, because he understood that the, the, the end result was everything else is headed for judgment. And sometimes we can get frustrated and irritated and upset, but you've got to understand that the body of Jesus Christ is more than just a building and walls and rules and policies and all that. It's, it's way bigger than that. It's a place of security. It's a place where you are going to step out of judgment. It's a place where you're going to come and find the salvation of a mighty God. Now, now let me tell you something. You need to understand this. Just a, If you're taking notes, you've you got to get this. This is kind of a side note. God is never going to waste his grace. The Bible says Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, but it's not eight verses later when he tells him the end of all flesh has come before me and I'm going to, I want you to build an ark. You got to understand, God says, I've invested grace into Noah and you, you, you got to get this. One of the, one of the most important things that you can see from this picture is the divine character of God. When God made his decision to judge all of humanity, it was before, before, before that first raindrop fell, before the sky had the smallest crack in it, the ark was complete. God said, I'm going to make a secure place because I put mercy here and I put grace here and I'm going to hide my mercy and I'm going to hide my grace from judgment. You, you've got to understand that if you're in the church tonight, if you're a part of the body, God has invested grace and he's invested mercy in you. He's given to you mercy and he's given to you that, 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 that favor of God that you don't deserve. And he's not going to let that go to waste, but he's going to make a provision for you because he's got a hiding place for his people. Now we talk, we talk a lot. How many of you like Jehovah Jireh? Woo, man. Oh, my God's my provider. He's going to provide. Listen, you, I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad. We, we, we talk a lot about Jehovah Jireh and his provision, and we should. But we should talk more about God's ultimate provision for us that we call salvation. Hello? I, I'm talking to some folks tonight. You need to understand, we ask God for and about a lot of things, but the greatest thing that we can ever receive from him has already been given to us. You've got to understand that my salvation is light years beyond any blessing that I can ever get. Or, come on, you've got to get it. You've got to understand, God has his mind made up. If you're taking notes there, Brother Silvati, write this word down, escape. In the mind of God, let me spell that for you, E-S-Cape, okay? In the mind of God, there is always a specific means of escape that is already prepared. I can imagine God standing back, just grinning from ear to ear, I made that ark. Why? Because it was the type of my church. It was where I was going to put my body when judgment came so that nothing could hurt them, nothing could harm them. And some folks come to church and it's too cold, it's too hot, it's too this, it's too that. And we get all wound up about the church and I don't like that preacher, and I don't like this. And you know what? You're going to like a lot of things when judgment comes. If you're in the body. If you're in a hiding place, if you're literally dead and hidden with Christ, if you're really in that place, you're going to like a lot of things a lot more than you do now. You're going to be, you're going to be okay with a lot of things. You're going to be like, oh, prayer meeting? Yeah, I, I'm down with prayer meeting because prayer meeting's in here and not out there. 
We, we've got to get a, a little bit bigger picture. The Bible says this in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 3. He talks about how great a salvation. He said, how shall we escape if we neglect this great salvation? And somebody needs to know tonight that God has provided for you a hiding place. He calls the church. And it is your escape. It is your place to get away from the judgment, to get away from all of that stuff. I don't know about you, but I just can't wait to get to the house of God. Is it always perfect? Is it always great? Is it always wonderful? Nope, it's not always. It's not always the thing that I want to do most at the moment. But I'm telling you, every time I get into the house of God and I begin to think about my great salvation and I begin to think about his goodness and his mercy and I begin to think about what he's invested in me and what he's poured in me and I begin to get the understanding, Brother Steve, that he's not going to waste his grace but he's going to make sure that there is a preparation made that when judgment comes, when calamity comes, when the, when all of that, when the end of the earth comes, I'm going to be in the place where God wants me to be. Oh, I don't know, man. Wednesday night, Brother Roberts, you can't, you can't, you can't talk about judgment. I mean, for crying out loud, the babies fuss when you talk about judgment. You got to, you got to do something different. You got to. But there's a second arc. The second photo as we flip this page in our scrapbook. Little baby Moses and his ark of bulrushes. My goodness, isn't he so cute? Oh, look at little Moses, right? This, this, this little simple ark protected the child from the murderous designs of Pharaoh, the type of Satan. Exodus chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, the Bible says there went a man of the house of Levi, and took the wife, a daughter of Levi. And the woman conceived and bare a son. And when she saw him, that he was a goodly child. Tell your neighbor, he was a goodly child. Now, now what does that mean? She hid him three months, right? Does that mean he didn't fuss in church? No, Sister Michelle, he's fine. You leave him right here. He's good. He ain't hurting nobody. No, you, you need to understand. She, she looked at him, and she said, He's a goodly child. Now, she, she did, kind of stop right there, hold your, hold your finger. We're going to come back and read the rest of that in a minute. She did what she could. Pastor preached a phenomenal message on Sunday about a time to, a time to rend and a time to sow. But you got to get this idea that this woman, this mother of Moses, did what she could do. The Bible says she hid him for three months. I, 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 can, I can't imagine what that three months was like. Every moment, afraid he was going to make a noise. Afraid. Why? Because she saw that he was a, a, a goodly child, right? And, and so we, we, we can kind of look at that, and we can, you know, you could probably imagine with me how, how tumultuous time that must have been, how uh, just hand-wringing and scary and worried all the time that somebody was going to come and report her, and they were going to come and take her child and, and throw him to the crocodiles in, in the Nile River. I mean, just crazy stuff, right? And, and so you've you got to kind of get that picture. But step back even just a little bit further with me, right? You know what? Here, here, here. She hid him for three months. She did what she could do. This is what we do. We try to hide ourselves. Whenever something goes wrong in our lives, right, we hide it. Anybody honest? Right? Look around. See if anybody saw me. Start wondering if anybody heard me. And we just, you know, we just start hiding it. This is how it happens, right? When when, when sin entered the world, Adam and Eve, what, what do they do, right? They, Pastor talked about it on Sunday. They, they foolishly, they try to clothe themselves with fig leaves. Why? Because they're trying to hide themselves from God. And so this is a, a tragic and a very sad reaction. In their attempt to hide themselves, hide their sin, they reacted by hiding from the same voice that not only called them into existence, but brought them into a close fellowship. And so now instead of running, running, running to God's voice, they're running from him, and, they, and they're using everything in their power to hide from him. So this, 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 their, their plan of, of self-protection failed. But God in his mercy is giving them a covering for their sin. In place, listen, you, you need to understand that sin always brings judgment. 
And, and so the commentators go back and talk about this, this woman looks at the baby Moses and says, he's a goodly child. The verbiage there, goodly child, other translations say he was a quality child or a special child. But what it simply meant, if you kind of dig into this a little bit on, on the surface, he says that the mother looked at that child and said, he, Moses, you've got a greater purpose than just to be fed to the crocodiles. And so you've kind of got to get the idea here as we, as we look at this. I, I, I could imagine the, the picture of the great ark of, of, Noah, of, of Noah, and then there's this little photo of, of Moses in his little baby bulrush ark. Oh, that's so cute, little baby Moses, right? And so the principle is this, is that Moses, his mother recognized that he had a greater purpose on his life. And so you, sometimes God wants to hide you when you don't want to be hidden, Last year, my, my daughter had some, her, John and Rachel had some pictures taken of the, them and the girls. And um, in one of the pictures, Nora is not there. And, and I, I'm looking at, and of course, you know, I'm, I'm grandpa, right? I'm like, oh, my, look at these beautiful girls. Oh, my goodness. I'm just grinning from ear to ear. And I'm like, baby, where, where's Nora? And she said, oh, she, she wasn't in all the pictures. But I began to study it closely, and I see an extra leg and I'm like, that's, that's Nora's leg right there. She's hiding behind them. She's doing all she can do to get out of the picture, right? And, and sometimes it's like this. You've got to understand that there are times when God needs to hide you for a greater purpose. I'm trying to share with you a principle here. It's called the purpose principle. Moses, Moses was just a baby like any other baby, but mom recognized there was a higher purpose. There was a greater purpose in his life. And so she, says, she did what she, what she could do, and she hid him for three whole months. And finally, she says, I, I don't know what to do. And she begins to put him in this little ark, and she begins to put the, the pitch and the slime and everything on it. And she puts this, she gets this thing all together, and she puts it out there, and she puts him in the, in the river and gets his sister and says, you watch that baby and you figure out what's going to happen there and all this and the scripture shows us over and over and over again that when God has a purpose in a life he's got to hide that life somewhere so what are you talking about I'm talking about God hid Joseph in Potiphar's house he said Joseph I got a greater purpose for you but I got to hide you over here in Potiphar's house and, and we're like Joseph I, I don't want to go to Potiphar's house oh okay let's move you out of there we're going to put you in the dungeon God, you don't understand. But no, no, he said, he said, before I can put you in the palace, I've got to hide you some places. And, and Moses, I know you're, 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 you're a goodly child, and I know, I know that all of this kind of worked out good for you, but I want to hide you on the backside of the desert for a third of your life before you can become a great deliverer and lead people out. He looked at the prophet Elijah, and he said, Elijah, you're a great man of God, but before I can really use you the way I want to, I'm going to have to hide you out here by the brook Cherith. And then, you know what? You know, that's, I don't like that. I don't like that, Elijah. Why don't you go find the poorest widow in the land? I'm going to hide you there. I'm going to put you there, right? No, no, oh, okay, that, that, that's good, okay. But God says, David, 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 you don't understand. David, you're great. You killed the giant. You're awesome, David. But I got to go hide you in the mountains and in the caves before I can make you a king. You keep reading through the Bible, and you're going to see this pattern that goes over and over and over again. The apostle Paul was hidden in, the, in Arabia for three years after his conversion before he could become the greatest missionary. And so what, what are you talking about? I'm talking about don't think it's strange when God begins to hide you because he's got a greater purpose in your life. The truth is we don't want to be hidden. The truth is we don't like the box and, and we're, not, we're, not all, we're, not all, we're not all happy about being hidden somewhere. We want to be seen. But that's just the spirit of pride. And God says, let me hide that spirit of pride and I'm going to cover it with some humility. You see, it's one thing for a mother to hide her child from a madman, but we don't like to go in the box. We don't want to be confined by rules and regulations. We want to be independent operators. But go back to Exodus chapter 2, verse 3, and here's what the Bible says. When she could no longer hide him, she took that ark of bulrushes and she daubed it with slime and with pitch. And she put the child in it and she laid it at the flags by the river's brink. 
She put him in the hands of God. She put him in an ark. She hid him. And Moses, in a very long and very circuitous journey, he goes a very crazy journey. He comes back, right? And you fast forward down there, and this goodly child has become the man of great purpose, a, a deliverer for Israel, right? And, and he, he's going to lead the greatest exodus in the history of mankind. you got to understand, the, the, this whole tabernacle thing, God is talking to Moses about this, and he's that guy. That baby that was going to be thrown in the river because his mother did what she could do and because she saw purpose and because he allowed himself to be hidden in what God wanted. I, 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 you know, I, 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 it's, just, it's just not for me. Let me help you with just a little bit of this. When Moses leads them out, God begins to set up the tabernacle. Again, another type, another shadow. And he tells him, he says, Moses, you're going to have to make a sacrifice for atonement. You're going to have to make an offering here, and it's for atonement. If you were to go back and look up that word atonement, it's the Hebrew word kafar, and it literally means to cover. I, 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 I began to read and study on this, and I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is the same word that was used when God told Noah to pitch that ark within and without. It means to cover it. you got to put a, a covering on it. And so when Israel literally offered their offerings, they were making an atonement for sin. Literally, they were covering their sin. And, and, and I, I kind of stepped back and said, wait a minute, God, what, what are you talking about here? What do you, what, why, 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 why is this little bull rush of little Moses so important? Because God said, you know, I've got to hide him so I can do a greater purpose in him. I've got to do something that he's not going to like, that that baby doesn't want to be left alone, and his mother doesn't want to leave him alone, but I've got a purpose in him. And so it would be that same Moses that would stand uh, some 80 years later, and he would look at the children of Israel, and he would tell them, you need to, you need to go outside, and you need to cover that, that lintel and the doorpost with the blood, because when the angel comes over, when I see that blood, I'm going to pass you over, because there's a covering there. And so what we've got to understand is that outside of Jesus Christ, there is no safe place to hide. I know some of you have done everything that you can do. You've done all that you can do to hide who you really are. But you've got to understand something. When God put you in the body, he put you in a secure place. He put you in a safe place. But he didn't just put you in a secure place. He put you under that water of baptism and applied the blood of salvation unto your life. And you've got to understand, Peter said it like this, it's a like figure where even to baptism doth also now save us. You've got to get this. You've got to get some understanding that when there's got to be a covering on that life. That little ark, wasn't, it wasn't nothing compared to the big ark, but it brought a, a greater purpose out in that life. And you're here tonight, and you've got a purpose, and God's got a purpose in your life. And I'm talking to every one of you that's been baptized in Jesus' name. When that preacher put you under that water, and he called out the name of Jesus, he covered you with the blood of Jesus Christ. That's why it's not important where you're baptized. We'll baptize you in the river, the creek, the bathtub, as long as we can get you under the water, and we're going to cover you. Somebody understand, there's a secure place that God has from judgment, but the second place that God's going to hide his children from, he's going to hide you from sin. He's going to put the blood. He's going to apply the blood. He's going to make an atonement, and every time they made an atonement, it was a covering. It was laid out. It was covered, and every time we baptize somebody in the name of Jesus, Jesus Christ, there's a covering applied. And we come to the house of God and we go, oh, God understands, God understands, God understands. And pastor will get up and preach a great message about repentance. And some people went, oh, okay, okay, that's great. Oh, it's Monday. Well, what, did, what did he preach now? What's going on? Why? Because he understood that every time I sin, I've got to get back to an altar. And I've got to kneel again and allow that covering again. That ark was a hiding place. It was a secure place. And God understands that the only way that you're ever going to fulfill your purpose is if he puts you in the body and he covers you with his own blood because he's taken away the judgment that, him, that he himself is going to bring. But he goes just that one step further and he says, you know what? I'm not satisfied just with covering, just with putting you in the body and covering your sin. He said, I, I, I've got so much more for you. I thought to myself, what? 450 feet, 
150 feet tall, three stories. Man, the ark was so cool, 120 years to build. But here's that little ark that mama makes. She begins to put the pitch on it. She begins to cover it. Like Noah covered that ark on the inside and on the outside. There was a covering. Now, all these years later, Israel, every time they bring a sacrifice and they, they make atonement, they're, they're pouring that covering out. They're pouring that covering out. And that, 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 that angel that's bringing judgment, is good. when he sees the blood, he's going to pass over. And so if we're not careful, we come into the house of God and we're like, oh, man, I, that, oh, that's such a cute picture. That's okay. It's just, a little, it's just a little bull rush. But God's got a greater purpose in your life. And sometimes we don't understand. He wants, he's got to hide you under the blood. He's got to put you in a place where his mercy can flow, where his grace is not wasted. He's got to put you in that place because he's got a purpose for you. And we're like, oh, I got this. It's okay. God understands. I, I don't, I'm going I'm 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 to hold it in my hand. And God says, no, no, I've I got to cover that. I've got to hide that. I've, I've got to put that in a place. I've, I've, somebody hear what I'm saying tonight. I'm talking about, listen, I know God's got a plan for your life and a purpose, but he can't fulfill that purpose with sin living in your life. Oh, it's just baptism. It's just another baptism. It's just another one of those things, right? You've got to understand we're hid in Christ. And judgment passes over. My sins are covered up in that baptism. Why? Because there's none other name under heaven. Amen. Right? Whereby we must be saved. The third picture, the Ark of the Covenant, that place where the presence of God dwelt. Incredible, just incredible. If you looked at this, go back and study the ornate. This was a very small, it was smaller than Noah's ark, but larger than, than Moses' little ark. But it was that same wood, that same type of gopher wood overlaid with pure gold and beaten and all of the things and the typologies there. But it was the place where the presence of God dwelt. And so we see that Noah's ark represented that, that divine provision, that that deliverance from judgment, that great salvation. And, and Moses' little ark represented God's desire to fulfill purpose in our life and to protect us from sin. But this ark was so unique. Its characteristics were so unique because in the picture that you can see, it, it, it has a top on it. It's called the mercy seat. And so that mercy seat was actually a lid that sat on top of the ark. And, and it was there. It was the place of the covenant. And it was, a, it was another type of covering for sin. And again, as I began to study this, the, the mercy seat, the third ark I'm in now, the mercy seat is this Hebrew word kaporeth, which is the root word of the same one. It means a place of covering. And so I'm like, wait a minute, God, you, you, put, you, put, Noah, you put Noah in an ark that was a, a secure place and judgment passed over, but there was a covering on it. You put, you put Moses in this little bitty ark, and, and it seemed like it was kind of dangerous to me, but there was, again, covering on it, and there was divine intervention, and there was purpose that was brought out, and, and through that, you brought about the, the principle of a covering for sin. Oh, my goodness, that's great, but what about this one, this one, all, all this, this, this beautiful mercy seat and the presence of God and, and all of this stuff, but I think what really, what really is significant about the Ark of the Covenant is not so much its, its beauty, and certainly it was beautiful and so many great types and shadows, but what really is important is what it was covering. Inside that, inside that box were those tables of stone, those first Ten Commandments that they represent the Word of God, which none of us in our imperfect humanity could ever keep. Because the truth is that we're guilty of breaking the law. The Apostle Paul wrote it this way in Romans chapter 5, verse 18. He says, by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. What are, you, what are you talking about, Paul? Paul was, was writing, and he's telling us, you need to understand that the law was the thing that taught me what I was doing wrong. The law was the thing that brought me to a place, and all of my humanity, all of my flawed humanity, that when, when, when I'm unable to keep the law, what it does with my knowledge is it brings me to a place of condemnation. Some of that doesn't make sense to us, but this third arc, the first arc was a place 
of divine protection. And the second ark was a place of a covering of sin. But this place is a, the ark, uh, the ark here represents the divine removal of condemnation. Now, before, before I get too deep into this, you need to understand that there is a real difference between judgment and condemnation. They're, they're totally dis- different. Judgment comes from God, and, and all sin ultimately will be judged. But condemnation is a direct result of sin. It's, it's more of a byproduct of sin, and it's driven by humanity's guilt and shame. And there are, there are probably a lot of different sources of condemnation. The condemnation is, is again, it's that, it's that result of judgment. But it's also the blame. It was one of the ways you could describe condemnation. And it usually comes from Satan. After all, he is the accuser. But condemnation can come from other people, right? You know, you, anybody ever had somebody look down their nose at you? It, it's part of life, right? It, it's what it is, right? But that, that, that all starts, right? It's the blame game. That's what condemnation is. You know, when Adam looks at God and says, the woman that you gave me, God. So condemnation's not a new thing. And, and so what you, what you and I have got to understand is that we can see it in the garden, but perhaps the greatest amount of condemnation that comes into your life and into my life doesn't come from the devil. It doesn't come from other people. It's going to come from our own lives, our own selves, Right? And what has all this got to do with the hidden life? Because God understood that he could remove his judgment from your life and he could, he could take that investment that he's put in you and he could literally make a way of escape and that, that's fantastic. He could provide a covering. Thank you, Brother James. The lights went out. I thought somebody covered them up. He could provide a covering for our sin, enabling us to fulfill his purpose in our lives. But without the removal of condemnation, you and I will always lack the confidence to fulfill the purpose of God in our lives. What are you you talking about? I'm talking about this. John wrote it this way. God sent his son, sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved you got to understand this. Jesus didn't come for the purpose of condemnation. He is going to judge the world. But his purpose is that you and I might be saved. Well, I I know what the Bible says. The Bible says, according to Romans 1, "There, there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus, which walk after the Spirit, not after the flesh. We get it, right? But the reality is that there are people in this room that are dealing with condemnation. That feeling of guilt and that feeling of shame. And the truth is, the reality is that they're they're in the body. They're in that that ark. They're they're placed in there. Their salvation is right. They're they're right with God. And and their sins are covered. They've been baptized. They're repented. Their heart's right. And yet they're not fulfilling the purpose of God in their life because of this little thing called condemnation. The truth is this, Brother Junior, they can't get over it. They can't get past it. It's called failure. It's called fault. It's called shame. It's called sin. It's all of those things. And and we understand, we understand that when we ask God to forgive our sins, He is what? He is faithful and just. He, it's a guarantee He will do it. And, And we could ask. We could sit in this room and say, can God forgive you of anything? And everybody in this room would say, yes, he can. And yet there are people here that just can't get past it. What is it? It's condemnation. I'm talking about this this great photo that that God's unveiling. He's he's got a picture of this ark, but it's not just, he's not picturing just the lid of the ark. He's not picturing what's inside the ark. He's picturing with that lid on it because he understood that in order for them to fulfill my purpose, In order for my people to become what I intend them to be, they have got to be in the body, and they have got to be covered with the blood, but they have got to be in a place where they're not living under constant condemnation. And so he takes the law, Brother Steve, and he puts it inside the ark. Now this one's very interesting, because in Noah's ark, we have to get in it. In Moses' ark, it's going to get crowded in there for big guys like us, but we got to get in it. I think that thing might sink, Brother Steve, if we got in it, but I'm talking in type and shadow. But in this particular case, Brother Bo, God takes the law, 
He takes the word that you can't keep and I can't keep and he puts it in and he puts the lid over it. And if we're not careful, our humanity says, well, that makes it means that if I can't see the word, then it means it doesn't matter. No, no. Because when they would make atonement, they would come in with that offering. And they would pour that blood on that lid. And those angels who were providing judgment would look down. And because of the blood, there was no judgment given. And so here's what 1 John chapter 3, put it up for me, sis. He said, if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. Somebody needs to understand, I want to go down front and walk so bad, but I'm not going to without my mask on. Understand what I'm saying. God has made great provision for you. It's tremendous. We can't take our salvation for granted. We've got to make sure that we're not neglecting this great salvation. God took it a step further, and he said, not just putting you in the ark, not just putting you in the church, but I've got to make sure that not just your sin from your past, but every sin is covered. I've got to provide a place for you to come, a place for you to be covered where I can put my name over it and wash it over with my blood. But I can't stop there because I have got a great purpose in you as my people, as my body, as my church. And in order for for you to fulfill that, I've got to take away the guilt and the shame. And because of the work of the enemy who keeps reminding you of your failure and your inability and your fault, and that remember that one time? Oh, and remember that one time? And he tells you that you're not what you need to be. And he tells you that you're hidden away from the purpose of God, when God's got, got you right where he wants you. And because of that, we fail to meet that potential that God has in our lives. But I want someone to understand that when God put that word in there, he didn't, take it, he didn't make it of none effect. He put it this way, the way John said it. If my heart condemn me, God is greater. What are you talking about? I'm talking about this. You've got to learn to trust God more than you trust your own heart. I believe that God would flip that scrapbook open and he's going to show you a picture not of the tablets of stone, not of the golden pot of manna, not of Aaron's rod. He's not showing you what's in the box. He's showing you that lid on that box closed up because he said you have to understand you're my creation. You're my child. You're the apple of my eye. I've got a purpose for you. I've got a provision for you. I've made a way for you. You've got to understand this is greater than you. And if your heart is condemning you, you've got to allow me to let you move past it. You've got to learn to trust me more than you trust your own heart. Amen. It's not the will of God for you to live in condemnation. It's not the will of God for you to live with shame and guilt. You've got to understand that when you bring it to a when you bring it to the cross, when you bring it to an altar, that same blood that washed your sins away in baptism, that same blood is washing and covering and cleansing. I, I, I'm just telling somebody, we got to understand as the church, God's got a greater purpose for you. God's got a bigger purpose for you, but you have got to allow that condemnation to be washed away. It's difficult. It's hard. But God is greater than my heart. I've got to allow God to put the lid on my failure. I've got to allow God to put the lid, Sister Lawrence, on my past. Because everything that happened 10 minutes ago is in the past. And I've got to let God do that, right? God's got a photo of that lid on that ark. I can imagine you look at these photos God's hiding us from judgment God's hiding us from the result of sin even the sin in our own life and God is hiding us from our own condemnation what, what an incredible God but if, that's great you go back and read all that but if you go and read in the book of Revelation I don't have time tonight to read it you're going to see a picture painted in chapter 6 where they literally 
they come out and they, they call for the rocks to fall on them. They hid themselves in the rocks and in the mountains and, and from the face of judgment. That's a natural thing for us to hide ourselves from judgment. But you get, you get to kind of get this, this whole idea that's centered in between these arcs, in between the book of Genesis and the book of Revelation is the cross of Calvary. And there is a time when there is no mercy. It's a great day of judgment. You, you've got to understand that what, what, what has to happen for us is that in order for me to be clothed, in order for me to be hidden with Christ, with Christ, I've got to understand that at the cross, Jesus Christ stood under the full, unrestrained wrath of God. There was nowhere for him to hide, Brother Scott. There, there was no fig leaves. There were no shade trees. There was no mercy. There was no compassion. He is exposed to every bit of God's wrath and anger. There was no friends to defend him. There, there's no land to be offered in his place. There's no one to negotiate his release. And he did all of that so that you and I could come to a place where I'm not just part of the body. I'm in the body. And he's, he's covered it on the outside and on the inside. He's put that slime and that pitch, he's put that covering there. And then he took me and, and he hid me for his purpose to be revealed at the time of his choosing. And he's covered my sin over and over and over again. But he's brought me to a place where he's putting that condemnation and that guilt in a place where I can't see it and a place that's covered by the blood where he can't see it. I think God's probably got a lot of photos. I think he's got a lot of scrapbook photos. I think a lot of them are, are great, but I, I want you to understand that I think those are some of the ones that the Lord's going to, he, he's going he's gonna to walk up to you, Brother Junior, he's going to go, hey, Junior, you see that one? What is that? Oh, that's, that's Moses. That's baby Moses in that ark. His mama did all she could do, but then it was my time. And I put him in there in that place of safety, and I hid him until it was the right time. And somebody needs to get an understanding that God has got you just right where he wants you. God is doing something in your life, but you can't allow that past and that failure and all that stuff. You've got to understand you're in the body of Jesus Christ. You're part of his provision. You're part of his great salvation. You're covered with the blood. And he's put that condemnation inside the ark so that you can fulfill his purpose. Stand with me tonight. The old songwriter said, Rock of ages, cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. The Bible study tonight is more doctrinal, more understanding, more for something for you to grasp that's a little bit deeper than maybe an emotional pull. But you've got to get an understanding of not just what the world sees you as or what someone else sees you as, but how God sees you. God sees you in that ark with the door closed and judgment going on all around you. God sees you in that little ark by the river, and he's got somebody watching you for his purpose. He's going to hide you somewhere. He's going to put you where he wants you till that time of revelation. And he sees you standing before that Ark of the Covenant, understanding that the failure of your humanity and your inability to keep his word completely and wholly. And he's saying, I want you to watch this last photo. I want to put the lid on this thing. I want to put that lid on that thing because I'm greater than even your own heart. Father, I pray tonight for the body. Lord, I thank you for hiding me. I thank you, Lord, for putting me in a secure place. God, I, I'm so grateful for your great salvation. I'm so thankful, God, that you have covered me with the blood and that I've got the ability to come back. But Lord, most of all, I am so thankful, Lord, that you have put that 
word inside that, inside that ark and you've placed it, you've put a lid on it, God. You've put my inability, God. You've taken away my condemnation and my shame and my guilt. God, I give you praise, God. I'm thankful that you've got a greater purpose for my life, that you've got some things. Lord, I pray for the people that are here tonight. God, I pray for living hope. I pray, God, for our purpose, our inability, and our abilities in the name of Jesus. God, I pray, God, every spirit of shame, every spirit of, every spirit of guilt, God, every spirit of condemnation is bound in the name of Jesus. God, I release a spirit of trust to lift you up, God, to magnify you, to make you greater, God, than that spirit than, than that attitude, than that feeling, than that word of condemnation in Jesus' name. Sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without really knowing the exact path it takes to get there. To get to our destination, we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. So be sure to subscribe and watch us on Facebook Live every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And also visit us at www.livinghopemd.com. So I'm going to wait on you, Jesus. I'm going to wait on you, Jesus.